Welcome to Stan Dunn's Jewish Edition. This is your reader and host, Mark Braun. Glad you could join us today. So, I remind you, you're listening to a recording provided for the use of those who are blind or print impaired. Materials or items read on Airs LA are the copyright property of the original authors and publishers. No unauthorized use or duplication is permitted. All right, folks. We know what the big story is this week, and we're going to give you all the articles with the, with the updates. But first, we are going to start off with an obituary from the California section of the Los Angeles Times, Monday, October 2nd, 2023. Mark Abramson, 1967 to 2023, a towering figure in L.A. area environmental preservation. His work was instrumental in the restoration of the Malibu Creek watershed and he blew the whistle on polluters by Haley Smith. When Mark Abramson was a young intern of the environmental nonprofit Heal the Bay in the mid-1990s, he was given the notably boring assignment of reviewing annual stormwater uh, uh, permit reports for all 88 cities in L.A. County and tracking their compliance. He went about the task with characteristic gusto and was so fascinated and fired up by what he found that he didn't leave for another dozen years, laughed Mark Gold, who, as Heal by the Bay's former president, had assigned the chore. Abramson went on to become a towering figure in the world of Los Angeles water, someone who would leave a lasting mark on its beaches, streams, wetlands, and per, uh, preserves, and whose legacy will be enjoyed by Angelinos for decades to come. Abramson died September 15 of a suspected heart attack, friends and family say. He had just turned 56. A gruff, burly, colorful character with a booming voice and an undeniable presence, a 2001 Los Angeles Times profile described him as Mr. Clean with a goatee and an attitude, Abramson was instrumental in the cleanup and preservation of the Malibu Creek watershed, a 110-square-mile area that runs from the southeast edge of Ventura County to Malibu Lagoon, discharging at Surfer Beach. He also blew the whistle on polluters, secured, secured uh, the future of Amundsen Ranch, removed fish barriers in Balona Creek and Leo Carrillo State Park, and helped shape stormwater policies and clean water standards, all while wrangling volunteers and mentoring scores of young people. In 2014, Abramson received the Environmental Law Institute's National Wetlands Award for his conservation and restoration efforts in Los Angeles County. The best environmentalists are people who take insults to the environment personally. And that was Mark, Gold said. Here's a guy who grew up in Agoura Hills and knew every inch of the Malibu Creek watershed, and he protected it like it was one of his own children. Indeed, not long after Abramson came to Heal the Bay, he set out to map and monitor the entire watershed. He found a volunteer group uh, he founded a volunteer group known as the Stream Team, which patrolled the entire area on foot and collected invaluable data about its water quality and biodiversity. His work was instrumental in restoring Malibu Lagoons in the county, which was suffering from low oxygen levels, poor water quality, and tainted sediment uh, linked to urban runoff and discharges from the nearby Tapia Sewage Treatment Plant. The effort also helped clean up Surf Rider Beach, which for years had been one of LA's most polluted beaches due to surges from the lagoon. What did he what he did at Malibu Lagoon, 
I mean, that just shows you his pers perseverance, Gold said, because he was a stubborn SOB, and thank God for the watershed that he was. In the early 2000s, Abramson helped halt a controversial proposal to develop Amundsen Ranch, a 3,000-acre property at Malibu Creek's headwaters, into a private community with two golf courses. Abramson mapped the area and found it to be a rare and critical habitat for red-legged frogs and other endangered species. Its owner at the time, Washington Mutual Bank, had sold the expense to the Mountains Recreation and Conservation Authority for $150 million, preserving it as a parkland and ending a tense 17-year battle. He was so smart and hardworking and determined and he was, uh, he was visionary because he chose projects that were really hard to do, and he did them well to show us all what was possible, said Shelley Luce, an independent, <laughs> independent water quality consultant who previously held roles at Heal the Bay, the Sierra Club, and the California Coastal Commission. Luce said Abramson collected critical data on benthic macrovertebrates, tiny creatures that live on the bottom of the creek that aided in developing regulations for discharges from the sewage treatment plant and improving stormwater management practices in the region. Abramson also gathered volunteers to remove old dams from Bologna Creek, which were acting as barriers to endangered steelhead trout and other fish. Stone by stone, the team dismantled the dams and restored the banks, immediately improving the health of the stream, Luce said. He then went a step further, working with the Parks Department to remove three car crossings that were blocking stream flow inside the Ario Sequit, located just north of Malibu at the base of Leo Carrillo State Park. He secured a large grant, hired an engineer, and designed bridges to replace the crossings, creating a free-flowing creek and revegetating the site. Those are really big, and they... And they just wouldn't have happened if Mark hadn't decided that this was important, Luce said. Make no mistake, however, Abramson was not your typical tree hugger. He loved to hunt and fish, telling the Times in 21 that he wanted to catch a steelhead in the creek before I die. Mark was, without a question, one of the sweetest, most generous men I ever met. And at the same time, his exterior was like 120 grit sandpaper, said Tom Ford, chief executive of the Bay Foundation. He kind of dared you to love him. He was so passionate about his work that he once scheduled a meeting about marine restoration on Christmas, Ford said. Later, while working with Ford at the Los Angeles Waterkeeper, Abramson set up to, be, to better identify and understand <coughs> sources of pollution entering waterways in the county. When rain was forecast, he would gather a team to head out and collect runoff samples even if it meant waiting for a good soaking at 3 a.m. The samples he collected helped identify polluters by tracing bacteria, metals, and industrial materials directly to their source, Ford said, and really moved the needle toward improved regulatory processes for water quality and stormwater capture in the county. But while many will remember Abramson for the expanses of the landscapes he helped to conserve, Ford said, what often gets overlooked is his role as a mentor. He must have directly, so, directly supported hundreds of young professionals in their careers, 
aiding them in their academic research or answering professional questions as to where this all fit into context in the community of coastal Los Angeles, he said. He was stellar at it. His family said that sounded like the mark they knew. In one way, he could be really gruff and hard-assed, but if you made the, that connection with him, it was forever, said his brother Jeff Abramson. You talked to his friends, to all the people that worked with him even 30 years ago, and they all say the same thing. They loved his sense of humor and just loved him. His niece, Alicia Abramson, now 23, recalled asking her uncle for help with her fifth grade science project when she was 10 years old. In typical fashion, he dragged me into one of those creeks and we were hunting for mud snails for hours, she recalled. But we won the science fair. Born in Santa Monica and raised in Agura, Abramson studied accounting at Pepperdine University and received a master's degree in landscape architecture from Cal Poly Pomona. He later served as director of watershed programs at the Santa Monica Baykeeper and worked with the Santa Monica Bay Restoration Foundation. A few years ago, he founded Urban Esco Ecoscapes, an environmental uh, landscape company, and was involved in efforts to build a wildlife crossing for mountain lions and other animals over the 101 freeway in Agoura Hills. He wanted what, the, uh, what was there when he was a kid to be there for the next generation and the generation after that, said Margot Carlson, his wife of 27 years. When his years-long Malibu Lagoon restoration project was complete, he set up an underwater camera, Carlson recalled. The first day, the footage caught only a single tiny shrimp. But just one week later, there were schools of fish, crab everywhere, and tons of little shrimpies, he said, signs of a healthy ecosphere. There's nowhere you can really go in this area without seeing his imprint, Carlson said. There's no beach he can go to. There's no place in these mountains that he hasn't touched. Abramson is survived by his wife Margot, his brother Jeff, his niece and nephews, Alicia, Max, and Eric, cousin Kevin Brown, and Aunt Kate Brown. That was Mark Abramson, 1967 to 2023, a towering figure in LA area environmental preservation, by Haley Smith from the California section of the Los Angeles Times, Monday, October 2nd, 2023. We have one more little one. This is from the obituary section of the Los Angeles Times, Friday, October 13th, 2023. Sharon Paula Hershorn. April 9, 1938 to October 9, 2023, author unknown. It is with heavy hearts that we announce the passing of Sharon Hershorn, who died on October 9, 2023, at the age of 85. Sharon was a beloved wife, mother, grandmother, and friend to many, leaving behind a legacy of love, kindness, and treasured memories that will never be forgotten by those privileged to have known her. Born in New York on, on April 9, 1938, to Charles and Celia Magaram, Sharon moved to California when she was nine years old and remained in Los Angeles for the rest of her life. Sharon will be remembered as a devoted wife and mother. She shared 36 years of happy marriage with Irwin Sherhorn and is survived by her three children and their families, Steve Hershorn and his wife, Brandy, of Victorville, California, Michelle Hershorn-Smith and her husband, John Hershorn-Smith of Newcastle, of up in Tyne, UK, and Sandra Nakama and her husband, Seekin Nakama of San Francisco, California. She also leaves behind her adoring grandson, Ian Nakama. Sharon had a passion, passion for knowledge and was an avid reader 
who immersed herself in books on history and current events. Her love for literature often found her in the library, engrossed in newspapers and novels that explored the lives of U.S. presidents, English royalty, or romantic tales. Sharon also found joy in films, musicals, and the excitement of baseball, avidly supporting both the Dodgers and the Angels. A memorial service to celebrate Sharon's life will be held on Monday, October 16, 2023, at 11 a.m. at the Jewish Home, 18855 Victory Boulevard in Reseda. In lieu of flowers, the family kindly requests that donations be made to Los Angeles Jewish Health and Sharon's Honor at www.lajhealth.org slash giving dot support slash donations. That was Sharon Paula Hershorn, April 9, 1938 to October 9, 2023, author unknown from the obituaries section of the Los Angeles Times for Friday, October 13, 2023. All right, folks, here we go from the Los Angeles Times, Sunday, October 8, 2023. We are at war, Israel's leader says. In a surprise attack launched from Gaza, Hamas militants kill at least 250 and abduct civilians and soldiers by Joseph Fetterman and Issam Adwan. Jerusalem. Backed by a barrage of rockets, dozens of Hamas militants broke out of the blockaded Gaza Strip and into nearby Israeli towns, leaving at least 250 Israelis dead and others held hostage in an unprecedented surprise early morning attack during a major Jewish holiday Saturday. A stunned Israel launched airstrikes in Gaza with Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu saying his country is now at war with Hamas and vowing to inflict an unprecedented price. In an assault of startling breath, Hamas gunmen rolled into as many as 22 locations outside the Gaza Strip, including towns and other communities as far as 15 miles from the Gaza border. In some places, they roamed for hours, gunning down civilians and soldiers as Israeli military scrambled to muster a response. Gun battles continued well after nightfall, and militants held hostages and standoffs in two towns. Militants occupied a police station in a third town where Israeli forces struggled until Sunday morning to finally reclaim the building. Before daybreak Sunday, militants fired more rockets from Gaza, hitting a hospital in the Israeli coastal town of Ashkelon. The hospital sustained damage, and senior hospital official Tal Bergman video provided by uh, Barcelona Medical Center showed a large hole punched into a wall and chunks of debris scattered on the ground of what appeared to be an empty room and a hallway. There was no report of casualties. Israeli media, citing rescue service officials, said at least 250 people were killed and 1,500 wounded, making it the deadliest attack in Israeli territory in decades. At least 232 people in the Gaza Strip have been killed and at least 1,700 wounded in Israeli strikes, the Palestinian Health Ministry said. Hamas fighters took an unknown number of civilians and soldiers captive into Gaza, a deeply sensitive issue for Israel. The conflict threatened to escalate to an even deadlier stage with Israel's vows of greater retaliation. Previous conflicts between Israel and Gaza's Hamas rulers brought widespread death and destruction in Gaza 
and days of rocket fire on Israeli towns. The situation is now is potentially more volatile now, with the Israel's far-right government stung by the security breach and with Palestinians in despair over a never-ending occupation in the West Bank and a suffocating blockade of Gaza. In a televised address Saturday night, Netanyahu said the military will use all of its strength to destroy Hamas's capabilities and take revenge for this black day. But he warned, this war will take time. It will be difficult. All of the places that Hamas hides in, operates in, we will turn them into ruins, he said. Get out of there now, and he told Gaza residents who have no way of leaving the tiny overcrowded Mediterranean territory of 2.3 million people. Early Sunday, the Israeli military issued warnings in Arabic to residents and of, com of communities near the border with Israel to leave their homes and move to areas deeper inside the tiny enclave. In previous Israeli Ham Hamas fighting on Gaza soil, the Gaza communities near the border were hit particularly hard, both by artillery fire and at times by ground incursions. Gaza's residents have endured a border blockade enforced to varying degrees by Israel and Egypt since Hamas militants seized control in 2007. Civilians are, are, are trapped and particularly vulnerable during wars and bouts of fighting. Israeli airstrikes in Gaza intensified after nightfall, flattening several residential buildings in giant explosions, including a 14-story tower that held dozens of apartments as well as Hamas offices in central Gaza City. Israeli forces fired a warning just before. Around 3 a.m., a loudspeaker atop a mosque in Gaza City blared a warning to residents of nearby apartment buildings, evacuate immediately. Just minutes later, an Israeli airstrike reduced one nearby five-story building to ashes. After one Israeli strike, a Hamas rocket barrage in, uh, into a central Israel hit, uh, Israel hit four cities, including Tel Aviv and a nearby suburb where two people were seriously injured. Throughout the day, Hamas fired more than 3,500 rockets, the Israeli military said. In the southern Gaza city of Rafah, an Israeli airstrike late Saturday flattened a home, killing 12 members of the Abu Kotel family, neighborhoods, neighbors say. Ten members of a family in the northern town of Jabalia were killed in, an other, in another airstrike, relatives said. It was not known why the homes were targeted. In Gaza, much of the population was thrown into darkness after nightfall as electrical supplies from Israel, which supplies almost, which supplies almost all the territory's power, were cut off. Netanyahu's office said in a statement that Israel would stop supplying electricity, fuel, and goods to Gaza. The strength, sophistication, and timing of the attack shocked Israelis. Hamas fighters used explosives to break through the border fence, enclosing the long-blockaded Mediterranean territory, then crossed with motorcycles, pickup trucks, paragliders, and speedboats on the coast. In some towns, civilian bodies lay where they had encountered advancing gunmen. At least nine people gunned down at a bus shelter in the town of Sidero were laid out on stretchers on the street, their bags still on the curb nearby. One woman, screaming, embraced the body of a family member sprawled under a sheet next to a toppled motorcycle.
in amateur video, hundreds of terrified young people who had been dancing at a rave fled for their lives after Hamas militants entered the area and began firing at them. Israeli media said dozens of people were killed. Among the dead in Israel was Colonel Jonathan Steinberg, a senior officer who commanded the military's Nahala Brigade, a prominent infantry unit. The assault threatened to spiral into a greater conflict, mirroring previous conflicts between Israel and the Hamas militants ruling Gaza that brought widespread death and destruction in Gaza and days of rocket fire on Israeli towns. The abduction of Israeli civilians and soldiers raised a particularly thorny issue for Israel, which has a history of making heavily lopsided exchanges to bring captive Israelis home. Hamas's military wing claimed it was holding dozens of Israeli soldiers captive in safe places and tunnels in the Gaza Strip. The Israeli military confirmed that a number of Israelis were abducted but would not give a figure. If true, the claim could set the stage for complicated negotiations on a swap with Israel, which is holding thousands of Palestinians in its prisons. Hamas's uh, multi-pronged attack at daybreak caught Israel, Israel off guard on a major holiday. Netanyahu ordered a call-up of reservists and promised that Hamas would pay an unprecedented price, saying Israel would return fire of a magnitude that the enemy has not known. We are at war, Netanyahu said in his televised address. Not an option, not around, but at war. In Washington, President Biden condemned this appalling assault against Israel by Hamas terrorists from Gaza. Israel has the right to defend itself and its people, full stop, Biden said in remarks at the White House on Saturday afternoon. The president said he earlier spoke with Netanyahu and would personally remain in close contact with the Israeli leader. He called U.S. support of Israel rock-solid and unwavering. This is not a moment for any party hostile to Israel to exploit these attacks to seek advantage, Biden warned. The world is watching. Biden was joined by Secretary of State Anthony J. Blinken and other senior national security officials at the White House for emergency meetings on the crisis, the State Department said. Blinken was telephoning world leaders in an effort to decide on a course of action, a department spokesman said. U.S. condemnation of the massive attack by Palestinian militants has been uniform and universal. The Biden administration was alerted to the Iraq attacks in Israel about 2.30 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time and spent the early hours working with Israeli and regional counterparts to determine what was unfolding, according to a senior administrator, administration official who briefed, the, uh, who briefed reporters later. It was unclear what type of aid the U.S. agreed to provide Israel, but the official emphasized that Defense Secretary Lloyd J. Austin III had been in contact with his Israeli counterpart and there has been coordination up and down our military chains. Though there is bipartisan support for Israel, congressional dysfunction in Washington could postpone efforts to send more weapons or aid. Discussions on support are still in early stages, according to the senior administration official. The House cannot conduct business until a new speaker is elected to replace the ousted Kevin McCarthy Republican of Bakersfield. The Senate, which is on recess next week, is also due to decide on confirming Biden's pick for ambassador to Israel, former Treasury Secretary Jack Lew, who was tapped for the role in September. European governments, which are usually more sympathetic to Palestinians than U.S. administrations, were highly critical of the attack. Saudi Arabia, 
which has been in talks with the U.S. about normalizing relations with Israel, released a statement calling on both sides to exercise restraint. The kingdom, it said, had repeatedly warned about the dangers of the situation exploding as a result of the continued occupied occupation and the Palestinian people being deprived of their legitimate rights. Several hours after the invasion across the heavily fortified Israel-Gaza border began, Hamas militants were still in fighting gun battles inside several Israeli communities in a surprising show of strength that shook the country. At a meeting of top security officials later Saturday, Netanyahu said the first priority was to cleanse the area of enemy infiltrators, then to exact a huge price from the enemy, and to fortify other areas so that no other militant groups join the war. The serious invasion on the Jewish holiday of Simchat Shem Shemini Adziret revived painful memories of the 1973 war in which Israel's enemies launched a surprise attack on Yom Kippur, the holiest day of the Jewish calendar. Comparisons to one of the most traumatic moments in Israeli history sharpened criticism of Netanyahu and his far-right allies who had campaigned on more aggressive action against threats from Gaza. Political commentators lambasted the government over its failure to anticipate what appeared to be a Hamas attack unseen in its level of planned and planning and coordination. The Israeli military struck targets in Gaza in response to some 2,500 rockets that sent air raid sirens wailing consistently as far north as Tel Aviv and Jerusalem, about 50 miles away. Instead, its forces were engaged in gunfights with Hamas militants who crossed the, uh, the separation fence and invaded Israel through the air with paragliders, the army said. Israeli TV broadcast footage of explosions tearing through the Gaza-Israel fence, following by what appeared to be Palestinian gunmen riding into Israel on motorcycles. Gunmen also, also reportedly entered on pickup trucks. The Hamas attack came after weeks of simmering tensions along the Gaza frontier. Over the last year, Israel's far-right government has ramped up settlement uh, construction in the occupied West Bank. Israeli settler violence has displaced hundreds of Palestinians there, and tensions have flared around a Jerusalem holy site. Hamas said it had planned for a potentially long fight. We are prepared for all options, including all-out war, the deputy head of the Hamas political bureau Saleh Arori told Al Jazeera TV, We are ready to do whatever is necessary for the dignity and freedom of our people. The shadowy leader of Hamas's military wing, Mohammed Deef, announced the start of what he called Operation Al Aquiza Storm. The Al Aquiza Mosque compound in Jerusalem is the third holiest site in Islam and is on the holiest site for Jews who refer to it as the Temple Mount. Enough is enough, Deep, who does not appear in public, said in the recorded message as he called on Palestinians from East Jerusalem to Northern Israel to join the fight. Today, the people are regaining their revolution. The attack comes at a time of historic division with Israel over Netanyahu's proposal to overhaul the judiciary. Mass protests over the plan have sent hundreds of thousands of Israelis dem Israeli demonstrators into the streets and prompted hundreds of military reservists to avoid volunteer duty, tomorrow that has raised fears over the military's battlefield readiness and raised concerns about its deterrence of its enemies. The infiltration of fighters into southern Israel uh, marked a major accomplishment 
and escalation by Hamas. Millions of people were hunkering down in safe rooms, sheltering from rocket explosions and ongoing gun battles with Hamas fighters. Cities and towns emptied as the military closed roads near Gaza. The army ordered residents near the Palestinian enclave to stay inside. Israel's rescue service appealed to the public to donate blood. We understand that this is something big, said Lieutenant Colonel Richard Hecht, an Israeli army spokesperson. He said the Israeli military had called up the army reserves. Hecht declined to comment on how Hamas had managed to catch the army off guard. That's a good question, he said. Ismaili Haniyeh, the, ex- the exiled leader of Hamas, said that Palestinian fighters were engaged in these historic moments in a heroic operation to defend the Al-Aqiza Mosque in Jerusalem and the thousands of Palestinian prisoners held by Israel. In the kibbutz of Nahal Az, just two and a half miles from the Gaza Strip, terrified residents who were huddled indoors said they could hear constant gunfire echoing off the buildings as fighting continued even hours at the initial attack. With rockets, we somehow feel safer, knowing that we have the Iron Dome missile defense system and our safe rooms. But knowing that terrorists are walking around communities is a different kind of fear, said Mirjam Rajan, a 42-year-old volunteer firefighter and mother of three in Nahal Az. Israel has built a massive fence along the Gaza border to prevent infiltrations. It goes deep underground and is equipped with cameras, high-tech sensors, and sensitive listening technology. But the divisions within Israel's army ranks have threatened to undermine Netanyahu's reputation as a security expert and the cohesion of an institution crucial to the stability of a country locked in a low-intensity conflict and facing threats on multiple fronts. Hezbollah congratulated Hamas, praising the attack as a response to Israeli crimes and saying the militants had divine backing. Israel has maintained a blockade of Gaza since Hamas seized control of the territory in 2007. Israel says the blockade is needed to keep militant groups from building up the arsenals. their arsenals. The Palestinians say the closure amounts to collective punishments. That was We Are At War, Israel's leader says, by Joseph Federman and Issam Adwan from the Los Angeles Times Sunday, October 8, 2023. Federman and Adwan write for the Associated Press. Time Stuff writers Tracy Wilkinson and Courtney Subramanian in Washington contributed to this report. Right, here's a follow-up from the Los Angeles Times for Monday, August 9, 2023. Israel-Hamas toll rises over 1,100. Fears grow of a wider protracted conflict in Mideast by Nabi Bulos, Henry Chu, and Tracy Wilkinson. Aman Jordan. With at least 700 people reported dead in Hamas terrorist in Hamas terrorist uh, Hamas terrorist rocket attacks and more than 400 Gazans reported killed in Israeli counterattacks, uh, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu warned Sunday of a protracted conflict as Israel reacts to the bloodiest attack on its own soil in 50 years. Israel pressed its bombing campaign on the Gaza Strip on Sunday firing a relentless barrage on the coastal enclave and formally declaring war as Gaza's Hamas rulers said their fighters continue to battle Israeli forces inside Israel. Israeli citizens were reeling from the unprecedented scale of the mayhem in which militants slaughtered more than 200 youths at a musical festival and kidnapped elderly people and entire families. 
the violence shattered the relative comfort that many Israelis have enjoyed for years. The Biden administration and other Western powers struggled to find a resolution that would staunch the bloodshed amid concerns of the possibility of a wider regional conflagration after Hezbollah, the Lebanese Shiite militant group and political party, said in a statement Sunday that it had launched artillery and guided rockets on three posts on the Israeli occupation Sheba farms in southern Lebanon in solidarity with the Palestinian people. The attacks were intended to liberate what remains of our occupied land, Hezbollah said, adding that an Israeli drone destroyed a Hezbollah tent in the area. Israeli forces said in a statement on the messaging app Telegram that their retaliatory bombing campaign had hit 10 Hamas targets in multi-story buildings in Gaza, including the group's intelligence headquarters and a military compound, as well as a weapons production site and an arms storage area belonging to the Islamic Jihad militant group. Israel said it brought in special forces to try to wrest control of four sites from Hamas's fighters, including two Gibbetsim that militants entered earlier in their attacks. The fighting came on the second day of hostilities between Israel and, and Hamas, which launched a stunning cross-border incursion Saturday that caught uh, Israel off guard and had its forces scrambling to beat back attackers on, on multiple fronts. As many as a thousand Hamas fighters were involved in the assault, U.S. Secretary of State Anthony J. Blinken said on ABC's This Week, a high figure that underscored the extent of, plan of planning by the military group. Netanyahu grimly told his compatriots that their country was at war, and on Sunday, Israel's security cabinet issued a formal declaration. Israeli media cited the country's rescue services as saying that at least 700 Israelis had been killed, including 44 soldiers, along with about 2,000 wounded. Health officials in Gaza said Sunday that 413 people in the enclave had died, with 2,000 others wounded. More than 100 Israelis had been kidnapped and were being held in Gaza, according to the Israeli government, pay, uh, government press office, which as yet has not given an exact figure. The situation will greatly complicate Israel's strategy during and after the fighting. Hamas and the smaller Islamic Jihad group on Sunday claimed to have taken captive more than 130 people in Israel and brought them into Gaza, saying they would be traded for the release of thousands of Palestinians imprisoned by Israel. Abu Ubaidah, a spokesman for the Qazam Brigades, Hamas's military wing, taunted Netanyahu in a statement Sunday, saying Israeli forces fell like grasshoppers by the hundreds. Threatening Gaza and its residents and its people is a losing game and a broken record, Abu Ubaidah said. In Lebanon, United Nations peacekeeping forces in the south, known as UNIFIL, said that they remained in position and were in contact with both Israel and Hezbollah to contain the situation and avoid a more serious escalation. We urge everyone to exercise restraint and make use of UNIFIL's liaison and coordination mechanisms to de-escalate to prevent a fast deterioration of the security situation, the group said. The Lebanese army said Sunday that it had deployed near the border with Israel, was running patrols, and was closely coordinating with UN forces. Hamas gunmen rampaged for hours Saturday, gunning down civilians, 
and snatching people in towns along highways and at a techno, techno music festival attended by thousands in the desert near Gaza. The rescue service Zaka said it removed it removed about 260 bodies from the festival and the toll was expected to rise. It was unclear how many were already included in Israel's overall toll. In central Israel, a line of Israelis snaked outside a police station to supply DNA samples and other means that could help identify missing family members. Mayan Zin, a divorced mother of two, said she learned that her two daughters had been abducted when a relative sent her photos from a telegram group showing them sitting on mattresses in captivity. She then found online videos of a chilling scene in her ex-husband's home in the town of Nahal Az. Gunman, who had broken in, in speak, broken in speak to him, his leg bleeding, in the living room near the two terrified weeping daughters, Daphna, 15, and Ella, 8. Another video showed the father being taken across the border into Gaza. In Gaza, whose electric, electricity supply has now been cut off by Israel, Mohammed Essi said he escaped with his family from a residential town near the Islamic National Bank, one of the buildings targeted in Israel's response early Sunday morning. The army called my neighbor and said we have to leave our home, said Essi 31. Soon afterward, a powerful strike hit the bank building, destroying many buildings nearby. People were running out into the streets to escape, he said. By late morning, bulldozers and onlookers were working to clear the rubble. No one was killed, but the area is shattered, as he said. Groups of residents fearing an Israeli land invasion were leaving areas close to the northern borders of the Gaza Strip and heading toward Gaza City. Gaza residents reported receiving texts on their cell phones Sunday telling them to leave their homes and head to known shelters. The messages added to fears of a forthcoming land incursion. Some 125,000 displaced Gazans were staying in 64 shelters, with the number expected to increase. The UN Agency for Palestinian Refugees, UNRWA, said a school sheltering more than 225 people took a direct hit. It did not say where the fire came from. The scale and tactics of Saturday's incursion from Gaza, which saw Hamas fighters pour across the border by land, sea, and air after a sustained rocket barrage, dumbfounded the Israeli government. Questions were immediately raised as to how the Israeli security establishment, with its vaunted network of informants and intelligence-gathering operations in the Palestinian territories, could have failed to detect plans of such a sophisticated attack on so many fronts. U.S. officials and Hamas said, and Hezbollah officials traveled in recent weeks to Iran for meetings with top Iranian leaders, suggesting they conspired to launch attacks on Israel although the timing was unclear. The lapse was particularly embarrassing for Netanyahu, who has styled himself as a strong security-minded leader and who has moved further right with tough-talking rhetoric against Palestinians to appease his ultra-nationalist governing partners. Israel's longest-serving prime minister had also been working toward normalizing ties with Saudi Arabia after signing accords with other Arab states such as Bahrain and the United Arab Emirates has vowed to obliterate Hamas in Gaza, which will have the unavoidable effect of further immiserating the lives of the two million people crammed into the Mediterranean enclave will complicate those diplomatic moves. All the places that Hamas hides in, operates in, we will turn them into ruins, Netanyahu said Saturday. 
He warned Gaza's residents to get out of there now in advance of Israel's retaliation, even though they, in effect, have no way to do so since the territory has been under blockade by Israel and Egypt for years. The Security Cabinet's declaration of war was largely symbolic, said Yohanan Plessner, head of the Israel Democracy Institute, a local think tank. But it demonstrates that the government thinks we are entering a more lengthy, intense, and significant period of war. Israel has carried out major military campaigns over the last four decades in Lebanon and Gaza that it portrayed as wars, but without a formal declaration. The Security Cabinet also approved undefined, significant military steps. Israel hit more than 800 targets in Gaza so far, its military said, including airstrikes that leveled much of the town of Beit Hanaun in the enclave's northeast. Warplanes fired tons of explosives on 120 targets in the town, Israeli Rear Admiral Daniel Hagari told reporters, saying Hamas was using it as a staging ground for attacks. There was no immediate word on casualties, and most of the community's population of tens of thousands of people probably fled before the bombardment. We will continue to attack in this way, with this force continuously on all gathering places and routes used by Hamas, Hagari said. President Biden has condemned Hamas's assault, declaring that the United States stands with Israel. We will not ever fa uh, fail to have her back. British Prime Minister Rishi Sunak also pledged full solidarity with Israel. This is the second time that Israel and Hamas have engaged in full-scale hostilities in two and a half years. The last war lasted nearly two weeks in May of 2021 before the two sides agreed on an internationally brokered ceasefire. But rather than dissipating, the, uh, the animating forces of, uh, of that conflict have persisted with tensions at a constant simmer. Many Palestinians lambast Israel for its tightened control over sites in Jerusalem that are holy to Muslims and Christians as well as the, to Jews, and have denounced the far-right government's de determination to build more Israeli settlements in the occupied West Bank, which they see as colonization and ethnic cleansing, and which most of the international community considers illegal. Constant military raids in the West Bank which Israel says are necessary to thwart or punish deadly attacks on settlers and other Israelis have resulted in the deaths of dozens of Palestinians. Although Israel says most of those killed have been militants, bystanders have also been among the casualties. Last month, Save the Children and Israeli Force said Israeli forces had killed at least 39, 38 children since the beginning of 2023 until September, making it the deadliest year since records began. At least six Israeli children were killed in the same time period, the group, group aide said. On Sunday, six Palestinians were killed in clash, clashes with Israeli soldiers around the West Bank. The sophisticated assault on Israel, when many residents were celebrating a normally joyous holiday, revived painful memories of the coordinated surprise attack by, by Egypt and Syria half a century ago. In 1973, when Israelis were observing Yom Kippur, the holiest day of the Jewish calendar. That conflict lasted for 20 days. That was Israel Hamas toll rises over 1100 by Nabi Bulos, uh, Henry Chu, and Tracy Wilkinson from the Los Angeles Times, Monday, October 9, 2023. Bulos reports from, reported from Amman, Chu from London, and Wilkinson from Washington. The Associated Press contributed to this report.
Alright, here's the next one from the Los Angeles Times for Tuesday, August 10, 2023. Israel vows a full siege of Gaza. Prospect of invasion grows as troops mass uh, near border. Death toll tops 1,500 as both sides keep up barrage by Nabi Bulos and Lara King. Jerusalem. Israel battled Hamas infiltrators for a third day Monday, missing, massing tens of thousands of troops near the Gaza Strip and making moves toward a full siege of the seaside territory, which Palestinian militants used as a springboard for the biggest attack in decades on Israeli soil. Israeli Defense Minister Yoav Gallant called for a complete closure of the Mediterranean enclave, telling army commanders in southern Israel that no electricity, no food, no water, no fuel would be allowed into Gaza, which is home to about 2.3 million people. Israel has long controlled all formal points of access to the Gaza Strip, except for a tiny border with Egypt that is also blocked. Israel already cut off the territory's power supply soon after Hamas's surprise cross-border attack on Saturday by land, sea, and air, a devastating strike whose scope, complexity, and loss of life had military historians reaching back half a century for comparisons. Stunned Israelis were referring to the assault as the country's 9-11 and raising angry questions as to how the nation's vaunted security establishment could have been caught so off guard. We have hard days coming, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu said Monday night in a nationally televised address. Urging national unity, he repeated his vow that Hamas' bases of operations would be completely destroyed. An Israeli land invasion of Gaza looked increasingly possible, as the combined death toll on both sides surpassed 1,500s, including at least 11 Americans. From the air, Israeli warplanes, helicopters, and artillery pummeled Gaza for a second consecutive night, striking more than 500 targets that the military said were linked to Hamas and to Islamic Jihad, a smaller extremist group. Hamas, in turn, launched volleys of bombardment at Israeli cities with rockets hitting the southern city of Ashkelon. Gaza residents described terrifying scenes amid thunderous airstrikes, particularly in areas close to targeted high-rise buildings, which collapsed in thick clouds of dust and debris. The streets emptied of vehicles, and throngs of people fled the, se uh, the center of Gaza City on foot, many with only the clothes they were wearing or a few possessions they managed to snatch up. Some said they had received messages from the Israeli army war warning them to leave a neighborhood in Gaza City center. The prospect of a siege and an invasion came as Israel struggled to regain full control of a string of small southern communities that came under a highly coordinated, multi-pronged attack from Gaza-based militants before dawn Saturday, a military spokesman told reporters. By late Monday morning, the Israeli military said that the fighting had dwindled to isolated clashes, but that some of the infiltrators might still be in the area. If we take more time than we expected to get things back into a defensive security posture, said Lieutenant Colonel Richard Hecht, the military, the military spokesman, we thought by yesterday we would have full control. I hope we will by the end of the day. Hecht added that more militants could still be crossing into Israel from Gaza because not all of the breaches in the border fence surrounding the enclave had been blocked. Across Israel, daily life was appended 
as reservists reported for duty, harrowing news bulletins filled the airwaves and flights into the main international airport were curtailed. Volunteers rushed to donate blood and most schools remained closed. Rear Admiral Daniel Hagari, the top military spokesman, said Israel had mobilized 300,000 reservists in 48 hours, an unprecedented rapid call-up. Troops massed in fields about five miles north of the Gaza border alongside tanks, towed artillery, Humvees, and other military vehicles. Late Monday afternoon, one group of soldiers quickly exited a bus and sought the safety of a roadside berm as Israel's Iron Dome missile defense system kicked into gear, launching a rapid stream of rockets into the skies to intercept incoming Hamas fire and a furious, in a furious puff of smoke. Another soldier nearby, a 20-year-old second lieutenant who identified himself only as Sar for reasons of privacy, marveled at the head-spinning nature of the last 48 hours. I never thought this would happen. On Saturday, I was sitting at home. Then my commander calls me to come to the base. Next thing I'm here, he said. I expect this will be hard on Gaza. My only hope is that my soldiers go home safe. The death toll in Israel rose to at least 900, according to the military, but the figure was clouded by chaotic conditions in some of the areas that were overrun in the surprise attack, which saw Israeli civilians gunned down at bus stops and on highways or fleeing into barricaded rooms in their homes. President Biden said that at least 11 Americans were among the dead and that others are still unaccounted for. While we are still working to confirm, we believe it is likely that American citizens may be among those being held by Hamas, he said. I have directed my team to work with their Israeli counterparts on every aspect of the hostage crisis, including sharing intelligence and deploying experts from across the United States government to consult with and advise Israeli counterparts on hostage recovery efforts. At least 150 Israelis, including elderly people and entire families with children, were believed to remain captive in Gaza, with many of them seized and dragged into the enclave in the early hours of the attack. Abu Obeidah, the spokesman for the Qasem Brigades, Hamas's military wing, said on the group's Telegram message, messaging app channel that four enemy prisoners and their captors were killed in the Israeli strikes overnight and Monday morning. Later, amid escalating fears about the hostages' safety, Abu Abeda threatened to execute civilian captives if the airstrikes continued, Hamas-affiliated media outlets reported. In the deadliest single episode of Saturday's widening, uh, widening, wide-ranging attack and one of the worst mass killings of civilians in Israel's modern history, Palestinian gunmen struck an all-night outdoor dance party in the desert a short distance from the Israel-Gaza border fence. Traumatized survivors reported militants methodically hunting down those who tried to flee in their cars or hide in nearby wooded areas. Israel's rescue service, Zaka, said Monday that paramedics had recovered at least 260 bodies. The festival scene was cordoned off Monday by police and soldiers and those who tried to approach were told there was ongoing fighting and that the zone remained dangerous. Dozens remained unaccounted for, and social media platforms were flooded with frantic appeals from relatives trying to locate loved ones who were at the festival, some of them last seen in exuberant TikTok videos from early Saturday, shortly before the strike. On the highway from Jerusalem to, the sub to southern Israel, Adir Owanu, Owanunu stood, uh, stood looking at a patch of blood on the, on the divider, 
which he said had come from a Hamas fighter killed two days ago. He came on this bike and stood in this highway shooting at cars, said Oanunu, 34, pointing to one bullet-riddled vehicle. The police got him. And even as evening fell, more checkpoints sprouted along the highway with visibly nervous soldiers training machine guns on any pe passing vehicle while others came forward to question the occupants. In Gaza, the Israeli strikes targeted several multi-story multi buildings, including the residence of Rawi Mustafa, a member of Hamas's political leadership, which the Israeli military said was being used as a command center. Palestinian officials said the death toll in Gaza had mounted by Monday evening to more than 680, with more than 3,700 people injured. The plight of the people held by Hamas will complicate any Israeli land invasion or, or of the crowded coastal strip and also any political or diplomatic moves by Israel's far-right government once the fighting stops. When that will happen, no one knows. Netanyahu warned his compatriots Sunday of a protracted conflict as Israel tries to exact retribution and inflict a decisive defeat on Hamas, which has held sway in Gaza for more than 15 years. Signs of the country's shift to a war footing were inescapable on a road south from Jerusalem. Near one military base, hundreds of reservists assembled to join the mobilization for the difficult war that Netanyahu warned lay ahead. Farther on, Long lines of cars waited at a checkpoint, with police inspecting every vehicle for Hamas militants. Israel's Air Force said in a statement that targets inside Gaza have included rocket launchers, a mosque being used as an operating base by militants, and 21 high-rise buildings in which militant activity took place. Hamas, in a statement, accused Israel of hitting homes inhabited by women and children, mosques, and schools. Underscoring the fears about continued incursions from Gaza, officials in Sidorot, a small Israeli city about eight miles from the Gaza frontier, called on residents to barricade themselves at home. Lock doors and windows and do not open to any stranger, the Sidorot municipality told residents in a bulletin. Humanitarian conditions in Gaza already dramatically desperate worsened with the strike. The United Nations Humanitarian Agency said nearly 125,000 people in the impoverished enclave had been displaced since the outbreak of hostilities Saturday. Underscoring the potential for the conflict to spiral into a regional conflagration, a quartet of gunmen slipped through the Lebanese border into northern Israel, according to the Israeli military. It's said that Israeli soldiers killed armed suspects and that its helicopters were conducting strikes in the area. The Reuters news agency later quoted a source from Hezbollah, the anti-Israel Lebanese Shiite militant group, as saying that it has it had not conducted any operations on Israel, Israeli soil Monday. On Sunday, the group had said it launched artillery and guided rockets on the Israeli-occupied Shabbos farms in southern Lebanon in solidarity with the Palestinians. That was Israel vows a full siege of Gaza by Nabi Bulos and Laura King from the Los Angeles Times, Tuesday, October, uh, October 10, 2023. Bilos reported from Jerusalem and King from Toulouse, France. Time staff writers Tracy Wilkinson and Courtney Subramanian Sub in Washington contributed to this report. All right, here's a follow-up article from the same Los Angeles Times, Tuesday, October 10, 2023. 
militants seized her family in kibbutz. Lior Katz was away when Hamas captors took her mother, sister, and nieces from South Israel to Gaza by Nabi Bulos. Siderot Israel It began as a pleasant Saturday morning. Lior Katz, a 37-year-old dental hygienist, was visiting her husband's family in central Israel for the Jewish holiday of Simchat Torah. Then she started receiving texts from the near Oz Kibbutz where she lived, just two miles from the Gaza Strip border. Fighters from the Palestinian militant group Hamas had entered the poverty, property and were burning down the houses. They were walking freely inside Israel in a kibbutz inside Israeli borders, Katz said. We never thought it would happen. The text chain on a messaging group for a kibbutz residents said people inside safe rooms were struggling to breathe because of smoke from the fires. Katz did not realize that the attack was part of a sophisticated, multi-pronged assault by Hamas that saw its fighters kidnap an estimated 150 people and take them back to Gaza, precipitating a war with Israel. At 8 a.m., Katz called her sister, 34-year-old Doron Asher, who whispered that she and her two children, 2-year-old Raz and 4-year-old Aviv, were in a safe room in with their mother, 67-year-old Efrat. Their brother, 51-year-old Ravid, part of an armed watch group on the kibbutz, had left to confront the attackers. His girlfriend and their four-month-old baby stayed with the neighbor for a while before managing to escape the kibbutz. After a frantic few hours of messaging and trying to understand what was happening in her home, Katz called her mother. Her mother's boyfriend, Gadi Moses, had left to go reason with the militants and had yet to return, her mother said. Everybody else was still in the safe room. That was the last contact Katz had with any of them. She kept calling, but nobody answered. It wasn't until hours later that Katz finally learned what happened after a brother-in-law saw a video on social media of militants driving hostages, including her relatives, in pickups inside Gaza. I couldn't watch, Katz said. It was too hard for me. Near Oz has since been evacuated as Israeli troops gather in villages near the border with Gaza in what appears to be a preparation for a land incursion into the enclave. On Monday, after an hours-long barrage of strikes on Gaza, the spokesman of Hamas's armed wing announced any targeting of civilian homes without advance warning will be met regrettably with the execution of one of the enemy civilian hostages we hold. Kat said she was trying not to believe everything, I hear. Waiting for any information about her family, her mother, sister, brother, and nieces, she said, I'm scared, but I'm trying to have hope. We've got no word from anyone, not the army, not the police, not the government. That was Militants Seized Her Family in Kibbutz by Nabi Bulos from the Los Angeles Times, Tuesday, August 10, October 10, 2023. All right, here's this one from the Los Angeles Times, Thursday, October 12, 2023. Israel forms unity government as military intensifies Gaza airstrikes. Wartime cabinet includes opposition leader. Netanyahu accuses Hamas of atrocities, has vowed to destroy the group by Joseph Krauss and Wafa Sharafa. Jerusalem. Israeli Prime Minister uh, Benjamin Netanyahu joined with a top political rival on Wednesday to create a wartime cabinet to oversee the fight to avenge the gruesome weekend attacks by Hamas, mili Hamas militants. In the sealed-off Gaza Strip, ruled by Hamas, Palestinians suffering mounted 
Suffering mounted as Israeli bombardment demolished neighborhoods and the only power plant ran out of fuel. Netanyahu vowed to crush and destroy Hamas. Every Hamas member is a dead man, he said in a televised address. The new cabinet establishes a degree of unity after years of bitterly divisive politics and at a time when the Israeli military appears increasingly likely to launch a ground offensive into Gaza. The war has already claimed at least 2,300 lives on both sides. At least 22 U.S. citizens have been confirmed killed, the State Department said Wednesday. That's an increase from 14 the day before. The Israeli government is under intense public pressure to topple Hamas after its militants stormed through a border fence Saturday and massacred hundreds of Israelis in their homes on the streets and at a, an outdoor music festival. Netanyahu alleged that boys and girls were bound and shot in the head, people were burned alive, women were raped, and soldiers were beheaded during the attacks, among other atrocities. The Prime Minister's allegations could not be independently confirmed, and authorities did not immediately offer further details. Rescue workers and witnesses have described horrifying scenes, including the slaughter of elderly people and finding bloody rooms filled with massacred civilians. Militants in Gaza are holding an estimated 150 people taken hostage from Israel, soldiers, men, women, children, and older adults, and they have fired thousands of rockets into Israel over the last five days. The cabinet, which will focus only on issues of war, will be led by Netanyahu, Benny Gantz, a senior opposition figure and former defense minister, and defense minister Yoav Gallant. A former chief of staff and another government minister were named as observer members. Still, Israel's political divisions remain. The country's chief opposition leader, Yar Lapid, was invited to join the cabinet but did not immediately respond to the offer. It appeared that the rest of Netanyahu's existing government partners, a collection of far-right and ultra-Orthodox parties, would remain in place to handle non-war issues. Israel's increasingly destructive airstrikes in Gaza have flattened entire city blocks and left unknown numbers of bodies beneath the debris. A ground offensive in Gaza, whose 2.3 million residents are densely packed into a tiny coastal strip, would probably result in a surge of casualties for fighters on both sides. Hamas launched a fresh barrage of rockets into Israel on Wednesday, targeting the southern town of Ashkelon. About 260,000 people have fled their homes in Gaza, most crowding into United Nations schools. Others sought the shrinking numbers of safe neighborhoods in the territory only 25 miles long, bordered by Israel, Egypt, and the Mediterranean Sea. After nightfall, Palestinians were plunged into darkness in large parts of Gaza City and elsewhere after the territory's only power station ran out of fuel and shut down. Only a few lights from private generators still glow. Israel on Sunday halted the entire the entry of food, water, fuel, and medicine into the enclave. The sole remaining crossing from Egypt was shut down Tuesday after airstrikes hit nearby. The territory's biggest hospital, Shifa, only has enough fuel to keep power on for three days, said Matthias Kanes, a Gaza-based officer, uh, uh, official for Doctors Without Borders. The group said the two hospitals it operates in Gaza were running out of surgical equipment, antibiotics, fuel, and other supplies. 
We consumed three weeks' worth of emergency stock in three days, Kanis said. Ghazan Abu Sita, a reconstructive surgeon at Shifa Hospital, said he had 50 patients waiting to go into the operating room. We're already beyond the capacity of the system to cope, he said. The health system has the rest of the week before it collapses, not just because of the diesel. All supplies are running short. The Palestinian Red Crescent said other hospitals' generators will run out of fuel in five days. Residential buildings unable to store as much diesel probably will go dark sooner. Egypt and international groups have been calling for humanitarian corridors to get into get aid into Gaza. Convoys stood loaded with fuel and food Wednesday on the Egyptian side of the Rafah crossing, but were unable to enter Gaza, an Egyptian security official said, speaking of condition of anonymity because he was not authorized to, t- to talk to the press. In Gaza's Jabalia refugee camp, rescue workers and civilians carried men covered with blood and stood toward ambulances over strikes toppled strikes toppled buildings. Metal, chunks of concrete, and thick dust blanketed streets. Medical teams and rescuers struggled to enter other areas where roads were too destroyed, including Gaza City's Karama district, where a large number of people were killed or wounded, according to the Hamas-run Interior Ministry. Strikes have killed at least four Red Crescent paramedics, the organization said. The risk of the war spreading was evident Wednesday, after the Iranian-backed Lebanese militant group Hezbollah fired anti-tank missiles at an Israeli military position and claimed to have killed and wounded troops. The Israeli military confirmed the attack but did not comment on possible casualties. The Israeli army shelled the area in southern Lebanon where the attack was launched. President Biden called the Hamas attack the deadliest day for Jews since the Holocaust. This attack was a campaign of pure cruelty, not just hate, but pure cruelty against the Jewish people, Biden said at a meeting with Jewish community leaders at the White House. On Tuesday, he warned other countries and armed groups against entering the war. The U.S. is already rushing munitions and military equipment to Israel and has deployed a carrier strike group to the eastern Mediterranean as deterrence. In the West Bank, Israeli settlers attacked a village south of Nablus, opening fire on Palestinians and killing three, the territory's health minister said. More than two dozen Palestinians have died in the fighting since the West, since the, in the West Bank since the weekend. Israel has mobilized 360,000 reservists, massed additional forces near Gaza, and evacuated tens of thousands of residents from nearby communities. Toppling Hamas, which has ruled Gaza since 2007, would probably require prolonged ground fighting and reoccupying the enclave, at least temporarily. Even then, Hamas has a long history of operating as an underground insurgency in areas controlled by Israel. Hamas said it launched its attack Saturday because Palestinian suffering had become intolerable under unending Israeli military occupation and increasing settlements in the West Bank and a 16-year-long blockade in Gaza. In the kibbutz of Biri near Gaza, Israeli troops were still removing the bodies of Hamas militants who stormed the community and killed more than 100 residents, then battled soldiers for nearly three days. Major General Itai Veru told visiting journalists that the military found evidence of Hamas militants cutting throats of bound, of bound captives, lining up children and killing them 
and packing 15 teenage girls in a room before throwing a grenade inside. Shock, grief, and demands for vengeance against Hamas are running high in Israel. Past conflicts with Hamas included heavy bombardments of Gaza, but ended with the group still in power. In a new tactic, Israel is warning civilians to evacuate whole Gaza neighborhoods rather than just individual buildings, then leveling large swaths in waves of airstrikes. Israel's tone has changed as well. In previous conflicts, its military insisted on precision strikes in Gaza, trying to ward off criticism over civilian deaths. This time, military briefings emphasize the destruction being wrecked. I have removed every restriction. We will eliminate anyone who fights us and use every measure at our disposal, Galat, the defense minister, told Israeli soldiers near the southern border on Tuesday. Even with the evacuation warnings, Palestinians say that some are unable to escape or have nowhere to go and that entire families have been crushed under rubble. Other times, strikes come with no warning at all, survivors said. There was no warning or anything, said Hashem Abu Mania, 58, who lost his 15-year-old daughter, Jonah, when a, strike later, when a strike late Tuesday leveled his home in Gaza City. We were sitting there as civilians, dressed like anyone else. Israeli airstrikes late Tuesday struck the family home of Mohammed D, the shadowy leader of Hamas's military wing, killing his father, brother, and at least two other relatives in the southern town of Khan Yunus, senior Hamas official Bassem Naim told the Associated Press. Deef has never been seen in public, and his whereabouts are unknown. The Israeli military said more than 1,200 people, including 189 soldiers, have been killed in Israel, a toll unseen since the 1973 war with Egypt and Syria that lasted weeks. In Gaza, 1,100 people have been killed, according to authorities there. Thousands have been wounded or on both sides. Israel says roughly 1,500 Hamas militants were killed inside Israeli territory, and that hundreds of the dead inside Gaza are Hamas members. That was Israel Forum's Unity Government as Military Intensifies Gaza Airstrikes by Joseph Krauss and Wafa Sharafa from the Los Angeles Times Thursday, October 12, 2023. Krauss and Sharafa write for the Associated Press and reported from Jerusalem and Gaza City, respectively. AP writers Amy Thibault and Isabel Debris in Jerusalem Sam McNeil in Berry, Jack Jeffrey and Sami Magdi in Cairo, and Karim Shehayev in Beirut contributed to this report. All right, here's something else from the same Los Angeles Times, Thursday, October 12, 2023. A local story. LA's Jewish security forces are on high alert too by Sonia Sharp. It was just after dark and David Bacall of Los Angeles Shim- Shamira was pacing Olympic Boulevard, his thick glasses aglow in the amber strobe atop his SUV as he scanned the crowd outside the synagogue for threats. Most days his job is boring, more Walmart reader than Mossad. But in the wake of the deadliest attack on Jews in generations, Saturday's offensive against thousands of civilians in southern Israel, LA's newest security outfit, wasn't about to let its guard down. People get motivated by each other, Bacall said as he struck, stuck between bright orange Shemira magnets to the front doors of the SUV with one hand and threaded an earpiece through his fluorescent yellow safety vest with the other. Anytime there is an attack on one of us, we all need to raise our level of alert. 
Monday night's prayer service at Beth Jacob was the second event Shemira volunteers had patrolled that evening. One of scores of impromptu expressions of public grief and outrage held across Los Angeles that day and through the week. Retired cops and other hired professionals have long stood sentinel outside LA's largest Jewish institutions, a silent acknowledgement of a persistent threat. But after the Tree of Life massacre in 2018, in which a gunman killed 11 people at a Pittsburgh synagogue, many smaller communities sought to harden themselves, reviving sleepy volunteer security forces and inspiring new, more militant community defense groups. Rabbi Kahl's newly awakened Shemira, the Saturday attack by Hamas militants was a call to arms. We would have just gone back into our normal operations, Bacall said, but in the light of the global situation, we've asked all of our members to pack an evening, pick an evening that they will be out and about in the major streets showing a presence, creating a deterrence, and using their powers of observation for anything that may be out of sight. The word Shemirak comes from the Hebrew word for guardian, and is a popular moniker for Jewish security forces and extrajudicial defense groups around the world. Like Hatzola, the volunteer ambulance corps that operates in Jewish communities around the world, they mostly handle non-emergencies and provide help to those in need regardless of faith or background. But the neighborhood's Shemura patrols are overwhelmingly orthodox, densely populated, full of children, and virtually incommunicado on the Sabbath and religious festivals when observant Jews do not use phones. This past Saturday was both. Bacall and his team had gone to shul to shul trying to avert panic as news of the attack spread. We shared what was going on. We told them to pray for everybody, but also to have a higher level of situational awareness, Bacall said. Now it felt as though new events were popping up every hour. Prayers for the wounded and captured, vigils for the dead, rallies for Israel, and with them, new threats to deter. Behind Bacall, throngs of worshippers filed through the metal detectors at Beth Jacob on Monday night, carrying small books of Hebrew Psalms, a popular talisman, and the text of whispered private prayers, prayers that would now be cried aloud together in a rare and ritualized howl of pain. We're a small community. None of us is more than two degrees from someone who was killed or taken, said Shoshana Arunasalam, 29, a member of the synagogue. We feel helpless. Many also carried with them a sense that they too were in danger, even here. They warned us not to speak Hebrew in public or to wear anything that identifies you as a Jew, said Shira, 20, an Ethiopian Israeli who took a job teaching in L.A. as an alternative to military conscription and asked to be identified only by her first name out of fear for her safety. Spasms of hate often surged through diaspora Jewish communities in the wake of Israeli military operations in the Gaza Strip, such as the one now unfolding, or the bloody suppression of Palestinian civil unrest in the West Bank. Mostly, they take the form of spray-painted swastikas, shattered windows, and epithets screamed from cars. In recent years, they have also manifested as un online threats. We're seeing an uptick online with rhetoric against both Jews and Muslims, said Harun Azar, a senior fellow at the UCLA Berkel Center for International Relations and a former regional director for the Department of Homeland Security. It makes everybody antsy across the board. 
Most never manifest in real life, but Jewish Angelinos remain on edge after years of escalating anti-Semitic violence seen nationally in deadly attacks at synagogues and kosher stores, and locally with the desecration of Torah scrolls and the public beating of Jewish diners. Many of the religious enclave of Pico Robertson were particularly uh, shaken after a gunman hunting Iranian Jews shot two men walking to morning prayers last spring. Not long after, Shimura's bright orange signs began popping up on local lawns. When those shootings happened, we now had resources and people to step up our game, McCall said. Now we're at that next level. We want to be able to continue, and in order to do that, we need more trained volunteers. The plan was to regroup after the fall holidays, but by Monday morning, recruitment calls are speeding through synagogue WhatsApp groups. Everyone's nerves are a little shot, Bacall said. People keep a, kept their kids home from school. They didn't go to shul. Still, the scope of the attack had moved many others to pray together. Inside the prayer service, a thousand people vied for seats in the narrow auditorium. Men filled the middle with women on both sides, separated by a wood and glass wall called a machitza, the orthodox that Orthodox communities use for prayer. Unlike the bulk of Jewish worship, which must be done in public, to Tehillim are prayers most commonly whispered alone in private supplication. Monday night, they were said through they were said through tears out loud in a cacophony of accents, the lyric diphthongs and soft s's of Yiddish crashing against the tight vowels and sharp t's of modern Hebrew, a reminder of the multitude of Jewish ethnicities that call L.A. home. This demographic melange is one reason Jewish Angelinos in particular were shaken by the attacks. A large minority of local Jews and more than half of Israel's, uh, Israelis trace their roots to the Middle East and Africa, while over, the overwhelming majority of American Jews are descendants from Eastern European immigrants. L.A. is home to almost 30,000 Israeli citizens and 5,000 of their children, according to a 2021 study by Brandeis University. It is also home to some 48,000 Russian-speaking Jews whose community in Israel numbers more than a million. And more than 50,000 Iranian Jews live here, more than anywhere outside Israel where the overwhelming majority now reside. Many, like Arwan Salam, were waiting for news of friends who were missing or had been confirmed as abducted by militants during the attack and what Israel has now declared as war. It's comforting to be with each other, she said. We've had a revolving door of people coming to sit in our living room because we don't want to be alone. Others were mourning dead relatives and fretting over family who'd been called up to fight. My friends, my cousins, all of my family are being called up to serve, said Shira, the Israeli teacher. It's hard to be in America when my country needs me. This diverse demographic reality also makes prayer services more challenging to patrol. What does a Jew look like? Bacall asked with a cheerful shrug. Here we have to watch how someone behaves. Hence, the Walmart stick. Bacall and his crew called hello to almost every person who passed them that night simply to watch them react. He also worked hard keeping kibitzers off the streets. Our people were schmoozers, Bacall lamented as he prodded his landsmen to move it along. But a hundred people on the street is a target. By nine o'clock, the crowd finally had dispersed. 
Bacall let the orange strobe stop spinning and pulled the radio from his ear. Just then, a bearded man in a hoodie walked past, pushing two toddlers in a double stroller. Bacall waved. The toddlers waved back. Their father pointed. Look, he told his children, they're all protecting us. And that was L.A.'s Jewish Security Forces Are on High Alert 2 by Sonia Sharp from the Los Angeles Times for Thursday, October 12, 2023. All right, continuing from the Los Angeles Times, Wednesday, October 11, 2023. Israel pounds sealed off Gaza. Palestinians scramble for safety. Many are trapped in rubble. Biden delivers a warning to militants by Joseph Fetterman and Issam Adwan. Jerusalem. Israeli warplanes hammer the Gaza Strip neighborhood by, by neighborhood Tuesday, reducing buildings to rubble and sending people scrambling to find safety in the tiny sealed-off territory, now suffering severe retaliation from the deadly weakened attacks by Hamas militants. Humanitarian groups pleaded for the creation of corridors to get aid into Gaza and warned that hospitals overwhelmed with wounded people were running out of supplies. Israel had stopped entry of food, fuel, and medicines into Gaza, and the sole remaining access from Egypt shut down Tuesday after airstrikes near the border hit near the border crossing. That the war, which has estimated at least 1,900 lives on both sides, is expected to escalate. The weakened attack that Hamas said was retribution for worsening conditions for Palestinians under Israeli occupation has fired Israel's determination to crush the group's hold on Gaza. New exchanges of fire over Israel's northern borders with militants in Lebanon and Syria on Tuesday pointed to the risk of an expanded regional conflict. President Biden, who spoke earlier in the day with Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, said there was no justification for terrorism. In a televised address, Biden added an apparent warning to Hezbollah, saying to any country or any organization thinking of taking advantage of the situation, I have one word, don't. Our hearts may be broken, but our resolve is clear, said Biden, who compared the brutal brutality of Hamas, the Hamas militants to that of the Islamic Jihad terrorist group. Let there be no doubt, the United States has Israel's back. We'll make sure the Jewish and Democratic State of Israel can defend itself today, tomorrow, as we always have. Hamas militants stormed into Israel on Saturday morning killing hundreds of residents in homes and streets near the Gaza border and bringing gun battles to Israeli towns for the first time in decades. Hamas and other militant groups in Gaza hold about 150 soldiers and civilians hostage, according to Israel. Israel stepped up its offensive Tuesday, expanding the mobilization of reservists to 360,000. Israel's military said it had regained effective control over areas Hamas attacked in its south, and of the Gaza border. A looming question is whether Israel will launch a group a ground assault into Gaza, a 25-mile trip of land wedged among Israel, Egypt, and the Mediterranean Sea that is home to 2.3 million people and that has been governed by Hamas since 2007. Rescue officials in Gaza said large numbers of people were still trapped under the remnants of leveled buildings with rescue equipment and ambulances unable to reach the area. On Tuesday, a large part of Gaza City's Rimal neighborhood was reduced to rubble after hours of airstrikes the night before. Residents found buildings torn in half 
or demolished to mounds of concrete and rebar. Cars were flattened and trees burned out on residential streets transformed into moonscapes. Palestinian civil defense forces pulled Abdullah Musleh out of his basement together with 30 others after their apartment building was flattened. I sell toys, not missiles, the 46-year-old said, weeping. I, do, I want to leave Gaza. Why do I have to stay here? I lost my home and my job. The Israeli military said it struck hundreds of targets in Ramal, an upscale district home to uh, ministries of the Hamas-run government, universities, media organizations, and aid agency offices. In a new tactic, Israel is warning civilians to evacuate neighborhood after neighborhood, then inflicting devastation and what it could be a prelude to a ground offensive. On Tuesday, the military told residents of the nearby Daraj neighborhood to evacuate, and soon after, explosions rocked it and other areas, continuing into the night. One blasted Gaza City seaport, setting fishing boats aflame. There's no safe place in Gaza right now. You see decent people being killed every day, Hassan Jabbar, a Gaza journalist, said after three Palestinian journalists were killed in the Rimal bombardment. I am genuinely afraid for my life. Tuesday afternoon, Hamas fired barrages of rockets toward the southern Israeli city of Ashkelon and Tel Aviv. There were no immediate reports of casualties. On Tuesday night, a group of militants entered an industrial zone in Ashkelon, sparking a, a gun battle with Israeli troops, the military said. Three militants were killed, and troops were searching the area for the others. For others. Israel's new tactics could point to its new objective. Four rounds of Israel-Hamas fighting between 2008 and 2021 all ended inconclusively, with Hamas battered but still in control. This time, Israel's government is under intense pressure from the public to topple Hamas, a goal considered unachievable in the past because it would require a reoccupation of the Gaza Strip, at least temporarily. The objective is for this war to end very differently from all the previous rounds. There has to be a clear victory, said Chuck Freelek, a former deputy national security advisor in Israel. Whatever has to be done to fundamentally change the situation will have to be done, he said. The devastation also sharpened questions about Hamas's strategy and ob objectives. Hamas officials have said they plan for all possibilities, including a, punish including a punishing Israeli escalation. Desperation has grown among Palestinians, many of whom see nothing to lose under unending Israeli control and increasing settlements in the West Bank, a 16-year-long blockade in Gaza, and what they see as the world's apathy. Hamas may have been counting on the fight to spread to the West Bank and possibly for a Lebanon's Hezbollah to open a front in the north. Days of clashes between rock-throwing Palestinians and Israeli forces in the West Bank have left 15 Palestinians dead. But Israel has clamped down on the territory, preventing a movement between communities. The violence also spread into East Jerusalem, where Israeli police said they killed two Palestinians who hurled stones at police Tuesday. Brief exchanges of fire across Israel's northern border have taken place nearly daily. Palestinian militants fired rockets into northern Israel from Lebanon and from Syria on Tuesday, each bringing Israeli artillery and mortar fire in return. But so far, they have not escalated. In hopes of blunting the bombardment in Gaza, Hamas has threatened to kill one Israeli civilian captive 
anytime Israel targets civilians in their homes in Gaza without prior warning. The militants' attack stunned Israel with a death toll unseen since the 1973 war with Egypt and Syria, and those deaths happened over a long per longer period. It brought horrific scenes of Hamas militants gunning down civilians in their homes, on streets, and at a mass outdoor music festival while dragging men, women, and children into captivity. The Israeli military said more than a thousand people, including 155 soldiers, have been killed in Israel. In Gaza, 900 people have been killed, including 260 children and 230 women, according to authorities there. Israel says hundreds of Hamas fighters are among them. Thousands have been wounded on both sides. Biden coupled his unflinching defense of Israel with only a glancing reference to the suffering that innocent Palestinians are enduring from Israel's barrage of retaliatory fire on the Gaza Strip where the Hamas attack was launched. That hardline approach could prove more difficult to sustain if, as expected, the humanitarian crisis for the Palestinians worsens as Israel expands its military operations. Biden took note of the impact on Americans as well. He said the number of U.S. citizens confirmed to have been killed in the fighting has reached 14, up from 11. U.S. officials said some 20 Americans remain unaccounted for. There is no justification for terrorism. There is no excuse, Biden said. Hamas responded to Biden's remarks with a statement defending its actions, saying it was fighting against an occupation and, and defending Palestinians' right to self-determination. Hamas called on Biden to move away from the policy of double standards when it comes to Israel. The State Department announced that Secretary of State Anthony J. Blinken will travel in the coming days to Israel to deliver a message of solidarity and support. That was Israel Pounds Sealed Off Gaza by Joseph Fetterman and Issam Adwan from the Los Angeles Times, Wednesday, October 11, 2023. Fetterman and Adwan write for the Associated Press. Fetterman reported from Jerusalem and Adwan from Rapa Gaza Strip. AP writers Isabel Debris, Amy Thibault, and Julia Frankel in Jerusalem, Wafa Shurafa in Gaza City, Tia Goldenberg in Tel Aviv, Bassem Moreau and Karim Shahayeb in Beirut, Semi Magdi in Cairo, and Amir Bahad in Tehran contributed to this report. Right, here's a follow-up story from the same Los Angeles Times for Wednesday, October 11, 2023. Abducted son's phone shows his last known location, Gaza border. Israeli couple, two daughters, and friends get to work to find the 23-year-old taken by Hamas. Banambi Belos reporting from Jerusalem. Their eyes red from exhaustion and worry, Jonathan Pollan and his wife Rachel Goldberg sat Tuesday in a corner of their Jerusalem living room, now converted into a makeshift command center with one aim, finding their son. It had been five days since Hirsch Goldberg Pollan, a 23-year-old California native, left a family dinner celebrating the Jewish holiday of Simchat Torah to meet up with his best friend. Goldberg kissed her son goodbye, expecting him to see him the next day, Saturday. Following morning, however, air raid sirens reverberated throughout Jerusalem shortly after 8 a.m. The first sign there was uh, the first sign there of the massive Hamas operation that would swiftly grow into the deadliest attack on Israel in five years. Stepping out of her apartment building's underground shelter for a moment, Goldberg switched on her phone 
normally kept up for the Sabbath to check on her son. Two texts immediately popped up, both from Goldberg Pollen, sent just 12 minutes earlier. The first text said, I love you. The second said, I'm, I'm sorry. Goldberg recounted her face uh, fighting the grief of, her, of the memory. I immediately took that to mean he knew he was in trouble, that it would cause a lot of pain, and he was sorry. Goldberg called her son's number. No answer. She texted him. Are you okay? Nothing. Ten minutes later, tell me you're okay. Another ten minutes passed. I'm leaving my phone on. Let me know you're okay. She still hasn't heard anything. Goldberg, 53, and her two dollars, Levy, 20, and Orly, 17, began to contact Goldberg Pollen's friends to see where he had spent the night. It was Levy who found online videos of the savage assault by Hamas on a music festival in the southern Israeli desert near the Gaza Strip, where militants attacked and hunted down concertgoers, killing an estimated 260 of them as they tried to flee. Others were kidnapped and taken over the border into Gaza. Levy showed the videos to her mother, whose heart sank. Goldberg Pollen, who was born in Berkeley and lived there for eight years before moving with his family to Israel in 2008, loved music festivals. He had once gone on a nine-week trek through six countries in Europe, attending different music events along the way. Goldberg eventually confirmed that her son had been at the festival near Gaza. Since then, we've had this real nightmare, Goldberg said. Hamas and other Palestinian militant groups are now holding more than 150 Israeli soldiers and civilians hostage in Gaza, according to the Israeli military. Their predicament has become one of the most prominent and harrowing for their families. Aspects of the four-day-old war, in which more than 1,000 Israelis and 800 Palestinians have been killed, according to authorities. Israel, which had thought Hamas weakened, now vows to crush its longtime enemy utterly. But the kidnapped victims greatly complicate that aim, forcing the military to come up with a hostage rescue operation alongside the large-scale offensive now being prepared against Hamas in Gaza. The group says its captives are scattered throughout the crowded coastal enclave, where 2.3 million Palestinians have lived under Israeli blockade in misery and impoverished for the last 16 years. Seeing the authorities overwhelmed, Goldberg, Pollen, and their two daughters, like the relatives and uh, friends of other missing Israelis, have mounted their own campaign to try to find their son and brother. It's a war, so I realize that there are a number of things that are important on a national level, but this is the most important thing for us, so we need to do it, Fallen 53 said. The country needs to defend itself, and we need to help our son. We understand it's not everyone's top priority, but it is ours. Friends and family conversion of the couple's apartment ready to help. It was a real situation room. We've had 10 people since every day sleeping here with us. They haven't left us, Paul had said. Some scoured the dozens of videos coming out of Gaza showing the hostages for any sign of Goldberg Pollen or his best friend Anir Shapira. Others called hospitals, police stations, survivors of the attack of the music festival, anyone who they thought could have seen the pair. A heart-wrenching process that pushed the family between hope and despair. A visit to the area near the festival, a stone's throw from a tiny kibbutz named Re'im, meaning friends, gives a hint of the violence that took place early Saturday. Vehicles with cracked windshields and bullet holes outline the roadside. 
their contents disgorged along the berms. Around them, in a field by a stand of trees, are the spread-eagled corpses of Hamas fighters, stripped to their underwear to make sure they weren't strapped with explosives, their bodies bloody and bloated in the afternoon sun. Paulman and Goldberg finally found a picture online from a bomb shelter near the concert site that showed Shapira near the shelter's door and Goldberg Paulman toward the back. They tracked down a survivor who was able to tell them what had happened. When the gunman attacked around 6.30 in the morning, it was pandemonium. An hour into the assault, a group of about 30 people hid in the bomb shelter with the militants firing weapons and lobbing grenades through the door. Anir was the hero of the story. He threw the grenades back. The people there owe their lives to Anir, Goldberg said, her voice cracking. An hour and a half later, the militants stopped firing and marched everyone out at gunpoint and put them on a truck. Then, for reasons no one can fathom, about eight were ordered uh, back inside the bunker, where they stayed a few more hours before finally being picked up by civilians and soldiers. Witnesses told Goldberg Pollen's family that he had been injured, his arm perhaps sheared off in one of the explosions. In any case, he was seen boarding the truck conscious, but with a, tor uh, a tourniquet. His last known location from his phone shows him on the border with Gaza at 12.45 p.m. Shapira too was injured, witnesses said. It's unclear where he is as well. Palmer refuses to entertain the idea that her son might be dead. Hirsch is, he said sharply, when a reporter inadvertently said was. He and his wife have rallied whatever contacts they've had to try to save their son. Though it's not clear if there will be hostage negotiations, Pollen, an American citizen like his wife and children, has talked to current and previous U.S. ambassadors to Israel, White House staff, the United Nations, and diplomats in Germany, Turkey, Egypt, and Qatar. Anyone we can get, get to, he said. Our interest is Hirsch, but there are lots of others who are likely se uh, severely injured. For now, all Goldberg and Paula can do is hope they can get their son back. They keep on thinking about his future plans. Since finishing his mandatory military service, he had been planning to go on a year-long trip backpacking through India and other countries before going to university. Another example of Goldberg Pollen's wanderlust, a trait he exhibited even during his bar mitzvah when all he wanted as gifts were globes and maps. From the time he was young, he had a sense that experiences mattered more than material goods, Pollen said. That was abducted son's phone shows his last known location, Gaza border, by Nabi Bulos, reporting from Jerusalem, out of the Los Angeles Times, Wednesday, October 11, 2023. And here we go to the Los Angeles Times, Friday, October 13, 2023. Israel, no aid for Gaza until hostages are freed. Its military prepares for a possible ground offensive as Blinken U.S. weapons arrive for a show of support by Joseph Kras and Wafa Sharafa. Jerusalem. Israel's military pulverized the Gaza Strip with airstrikes, prepared for a possible ground invasion, and said Thursday that its complete siege, which has left Palestinians desperate for food, fuel, and medicine, would continue until Hamas militants freed the estimated 150 people taken hostage. In their weakened cross-border rampage, the attackers also massacred children, music festival goers, and hundreds of other civilians.
A visit by U.S. Secretary of State Anthony J. Blinken, along with shipments of American weapons, provides a powerful green light to Israel to drive ahead with its retaliation in Gaza after Hamas's deadly attack on civilians and soldiers, even as international AIDS groups warn of a worsening humanitarian crisis. Israel has halted deliveries of basic necessities and electricity to Gaza's 2.3 million people and prevented entry of supplies from Egypt. Not a single electricity switch will be flipped on. Not a single faucet will be turned on. Not a single fuel truck will be will enter until the Israeli hostages are returned home. Israeli Energy Minister Israel Kantz said on, on social media. The war has already claimed more than 2,800 lives on both sides. A strike Thursday afternoon in the Jabalia refugee camp collapsed a residential building on families sheltering inside, killing at least 45 people, Gaza's interior ministry said. At least 23 of the dead were children, including a month-old infant, according to a list of the casualties. Ministry spokesman Ayad Bozum said that dozens were wounded and that the death toll was likely to rise as rescue workers were still pulling bodies from the rubble. The home, belonging to the Shihab family, was packed with relatives who had fled bombing in other areas. Neighbors said a second house was hit at the same time, but the toll was not immediately known. The Israeli military did not respond to a request for comment on the strike. The Jabalia camp has seen non-stop bombardment for days, said one neighbor, Khalil Abu Yahya. We can't flee because anywhere you go, you are bombed. You need a miracle to survive here, Abu Yahya said. Lieutenant Colonel Richard, Richard Heck, an Israeli military spokesman, told reporters Thursday that forces are preparing for a ground maneuver should political leaders order one. A ground offensive in Gaza whose residents are densely packed into a, silver of, a sliver of land only 25 miles long would probably bring even higher casualties on both sides in brutal house-to-house -house fighting. Hamas's assault on Saturday killed more than 1,300 people in Israel, including 247 soldiers, a toll seen and, uh, unseen in Israel for decades. And the ensuing Israeli bombardment has killed more than 1,530 people in Gaza, according to authorities on both sides. Israel says that about 1,500 Hamas militants were killed inside Israel and that hundreds of the dead in Gaza and Hamas member, are Hamas members. Thousands have been wounded on both sides. As Israel has pounded Gaza, Hamas fighters have fired thousands of rockets into Israel since their weekend assault. Amid concerns that the fighting could spread in the region, Syrian state media reported that Israeli airstrikes Thursday hit international airports in the Syrian capital, Damascus, and in the northern city of Aleppo, putting them out of service. Palestinians fleeing airstrikes in Gaza could be seen running through the, through the streets, carrying their belongings and looking for a safe place. The number of people who fled their homes reached 423,000 people by Wednesday night, roughly 18% of Gaza's population most crowded into United Nations-run schools, while others are staying with relatives or even strangers. Families were cutting down to one meal a day to conserve supplies, said Rami Swailim, a 34-year-old lecturer at Al-Azhar University, who has 32 members of his family sheltering in his home. Water stopped coming to the building two days ago, and they were rationing what's left in the tank on the roof. 
Allah Yaunis Abul Omran had been uh, staying in the, in the UN school after a strike on her home killed eight members of her family, her mother, aunt, sister, a brother, and his wife, and their three children. She said food supplies were running out. Most bakeries stopped producing bread or la for lack of electricity. Even if there is food in some areas, we can't get to it because of strikes, she said. Lines formed outside bakeries and grocery stores during the few hours they dared open, as people tried to stock up on food before shelves emptied. On Wednesday, Gaza's only power station ran out of fuel and shut down, leaving only lights powered by scattered private generators. Hospitals overwhelmed by a constant stream of wounded and running out of supplies have only a few days' worth of fuel before their power cuts off, aid officials say. The cutoff has also caused dire water shortages for more than 650,000 people, according to the UN. Without electricity, hospitals risk turning into morgues, said Fabrizio Carboni, regional director of the International Committee of the Red Cross. Newborn incubators, kidney dialysis machines, x-rays, and more are all dependent on power, he said. Ambulance crews carrying bodies from the rubble of demolished buildings to the morgue at Gaza's biggest hospital, Shifa, found no space left. Dozens of corpses in body bags were lined up in the hospital parking lot. Fourteen health facilities had been damaged in strikes, health officials said Thursday. The situation is very critical, Shifa Hospital Director Mohammed Abu Salima said. We've never seen days in Gaza like what we see now. With Israel sealing off the territory, the only way in or out is through the crossing with Egypt at Rafah. Egypt's foreign ministry said it has not officially closed Rafah, but airstrikes have prevented it from operating. Egypt has been trying to persuade Israel and the United States to allow the delivery of aid and fuel through Rafah. After Hamas militants stormed into Israel on Saturday and carried out their rampage, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu vowed to crush and destroy the group which has, which has governed Gaza since 2007. Netanyahu has alleged Hamas atrocities, including the, the killing of children in their homes, beheading soldiers, and raping women. His allegations cannot be independently confirmed. Amid grief and demands for vengeance among the Israeli public, the government is under intense public pressure to topple the militant group rather than continue to try to bottle it up in Gaza. Four previous conflicts ended with Hamas still firmly in charge of the territory. Israel has mobilized 360,000 reservists, massed additional forces near Gaza, and evacuated tens of thousands of residents from nearby communities. Netanyahu now has the backing of a new war cabinet that includes a longtime opposition politician. The U.S. has pledged unwavering support, and Blinken arrived in Tel Aviv on Thursday to meet with Israeli leaders. You might be strong enough on your own to defend yourself, but as long as America exists, you will never have to, Blinken said after meeting with Netanyahu. We will always be there, by your side. U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd G. Austin III planned to visit Israel on Friday, and Blinken is to meet with Palestinian Authority President Mahmoud Abbas, whose control is confined to parts of the occupied West Bank and Jordan's King Abdullah II. A high-ranking Hamas official, Saleh Arari, warned Thursday that any Israeli invasion of Gaza will turn into a disaster for its army, saying the group was prepared to respond. In Gaza, 
the Israeli military said overnight strikes targeted Hamas's elite Nukuba forces, including command centers used by the fighters who attacked Israel on Saturday. Right now, we are focused on taking out their senior leadership, heck, the military spokesperson said of Hamas. Not only the military leadership, but also the governmental leadership, all the way up to top Hamas leader Yahya Sinwar. Israel is employing a new tactic of leveling whole neighborhoods rather than just individual buildings. Heck said that targeting decisions were based on intelligence and that civilians were warned. Even with the warnings, Palestinians say that some are unable to escape or have nowhere to go and that entire families have been crushed under rubble. It was Israel, no aid for Gaza until hostages are freed by Joseph Cross and Wafafa Sharafa from the Los Angeles Times, Friday, October 13, 2023. Cross and Sharafa write for the Associated Press. All right, and here's this one from the same Los Angeles Times, Friday, October 13th, 2023. Specter of wider Mideast war looms. Israelis near Lebanon fear a region-wide conflagration if Iran and proxies join fight by Nabi Bulos. Arab al-Arashi, Israel. From his mountaintop perch above a valley straddling Israel and Lebanon, Mohammed Miguez has watched no fewer than four wars unfold. There was the 1967 Middle East War, where he was a small boy and his family scuttled from one place to another to avoid the bombs. In the 1973 Yom Kippur War, a pair of Israeli phantom warplanes, their tails aflame, streaked above his head one night like shooting stars before crashing into the valley. In 1983, during the first Lebanon War, he hid as Palestinian, firefight Palestinian fighters hit the valley faced off against Israeli troops arrayed on his side of the mountain. He managed to survive the Second Lebanon War in 2006 as well. Ever since I became conscious of the world, there's always been conflict here. Always, said McGee's 62, his eyes lingering on, on the houses in the Lebanese village of da Daria, just across the border. But none of those, he said, will compare with the war he believes is now brewing between Israel and its hostile neighbors. As Israel lashes back forcefully against the massive attack on its soil by Hamas militants, Magiz and others fear that an expected ground invasion of Gaza will spiral into a titanic clash that puts Iran and its proxies, including Hezbollah in Lebanon and the Gaza-based Islamic Jihad. Hamas has called on those groups to open new fronts against Israel if the nation's tanks roll into the Gaza Strip. It won't just be a conflict here, but everywhere. All of the Middle East, McGee said. Hezbollah, Iran, everyone will join in. In a worrisome preview of what might come, border skirmishes have already erupted here in northern Israel on the other end of the country from Hamas's multi-pronged cross-border attack. On Tuesday, a battle broke out when gunmen slipped through the Lebanese border into Israel, killing three Israeli soldiers before they turned back. A day later, Megiz and other residents of Arab al-Aramshi, a tiny Israeli Bedouin village, watched as Hezbollah anti-tank missiles slammed into an Israeli position on a nearby hill, a response the group said in a statement to Israel targeting three of its fighters two days earlier. Israeli forces replied with artillery shelling that 
hit ten houses in Daria, leaving three people wounded, Lebanese authorities said. Sustained heavy machine gun fire echoed through the valley, said Khalid Swedan, the 80-year-old patriarch of the family. We were sitting here, and the army ordered us inside to go hide. We were terrified, Swedan said. It's all we hear these days, shooting and explosions. Sitting beside him with a frown on his face was his son, Samir, a member of the Arab Aramshi's local council. Look, there have always been incidents here, even if they were too insignificant for the press to write about them. We're used to that, he said. But for the Israeli army to shoot artillery for the other side to enter Arab al-Aramshi like this, it's new. His wife Elaine came out with a plate of melfau, cabbage rolls, stuffed with uh, rice and ground meat. She looked at one of the children, Adele 13, and her nephew Khalid 16, who was sitting on the stoop. These kids don't remember 2006. What do they know of war, she said, settling in the, uh, the plate, setting the plate down on the table. Back then, a mother and her two daughters were killed when a bomb fell in their garden, she said. It already feels worse now, although there have been no casualties in the village yet. Just the number of attacks, she said. It's been so many. As she spoke, the not-like ziz of an Israeli drone circled overhead, circling overhead grew louder. They're here every day now, 24 hours. You always hear them, her husband said. Before we would have one, maybe two. Now it's six or seven. I lose count. It was another sign of how Israel's north has gone on a war footing along with other parts of the country. You can spot columns of armor, tanks, and armored personnel carriers heading north on Route 6, the main trans-Israel highway, or awkwardly navigating cramped village streets and roundabouts. Most communities along the Israel-Lebanon border already have been evacuated. Many of the 1,750 residents have left Arab al-Aramshi, albeit voluntarily, rather than under government orders. In their stead uh, are jumpy Israeli soldiers clumped together on street corners. Some train their some train their, uh, train their rifles across the border at Daria, scanning for any movement. Both army and police units run patrols, stopping anyone not from the area. Plainclothes intelligence agents follow outsiders to see where they go and with whom they speak. Fearing that Hezbollah or other groups will try to capitalize on suspected cracks on Israel's defense, President Biden dispatched an aircraft carrier group to the eastern Mediterranean and placed another at Israel's disposal. To anyone thinking of tanking and taking advantage of the situation, Biden said Tuesday, I have one word, don't. Don't. And what was perhaps an attempt to emphasize that point, Israeli warplanes launched sorties on Thursday against Syria, a staunch ally of Iran's that has long been a, con a conduit for arms to Hezbollah, bombing Damascus and Aleppo airports and knocking runways out of commission. Despite the uptake in violence in northern Israel, Hamas's call for solidarity and of and saber-rattling from other Iran-allied groups, Hezbollah's attacks so far demonstrate a reluctance to escalate, said Mohanad Hajj Ali, a Hezbollah expert and senior fellow at the Beirut-based Carnegie Middle East Center. Part of that reluctance comes from the fact that Lebanon, a country in the midst of an economic implosion, can ill afford more crises. Many Lebanese, including Hezbollah supporters, 
for fear a repeat of 2006 when Israel destroyed not only wide swaths of the country's south, where Hezbollah's do where Hezbollah dominates, but also parts of the capital, Beirut. Since then, Hezbollah and Israel have maintained a respectful but wary modus vivendi with the occasional tit-for-tat attack. But Hezbollah's long-time insistence on the notion of unity of battlegrounds where it would come to aid of sister groups such as Hamas against Israel and the West would force it to intervene, Haj Ali said. What's the use of such an alliance if you won't stand for them now? When Hamas is about to be obliterated, he said, adding, Hezbollah is still trying to message the Israelis that invading Gaza is a red line. At the same time, uh, uh, Hamas's unpre unprecedented attack, has, which has killed 1,300 Israelis, may encourage Israeli leaders to move preemptively against Hezbollah. Such a confrontation would be far a far more difficult one than the war in 2006. Since then, Hezbollah carries have cadres have gained combat experience in Syria, Iraq, and Yemen. The group's arsenal includes drones and potentially tens of thousands of precision missiles. If they bomb Hezbollah, it can strike Israel from the from the air, from the sea. They have the capabilities they didn't have before. It will be costly, Hage Ali said. In Metulia, a town about 25 miles north of Arab al-Aramshi, Stephanie Jufa kept vigil from his well-appointed house on the highest hill. The town seemed empty, save for Israeli soldiers and a number of workers from Thailand who had arrived four years ago. Just across from us, there's the Lebanese town Kafar Kila. Jufa, a journalist with the Metulia News Agency, said late, uh, late Thursday afternoon while standing on his balcony, which boasts a commanding view of the Lebanese side of the border. It's all Hezbollah. Very bad place. Lots of terrorists. He's uncertain whether Hezbollah will join the fray, but if so, the group would regret it, he said. We're very, wound we're very wounded by what happened last Saturday, and we're ready to fight, Jufa said. We don't know how it will start, but we know how it will end. Barely ten minutes after he spoke, three rockets launched from southern Lebanon streaked through uh, the darkening sky toward Metula, Metulia, <clears throat> before Israel's missile defense system kicked into gear. Loyalty to Israel is absolute for Miggis and other residents of Arab al-Amshi. Many served in the military and are revulsed by Hamas's assault. Gaz gazing out at the Lebanese border, Miggis sees the infrastructure of en enmity, a border wall, an Israeli antenna uh, tower, a Hezbollah observation post that scars the bucolic landscape he knows so well and that divides families once able to travel unfettered between the two countries. The prospect of a new war with Hezbollah as part of a regional conflict in which Israel is best on multiple fronts inspires a fatalistic attitude in him. Even when reports reached Arab Arab al-Aramshi -Aram on Wednesday of Hezbollah fighters paragliding from Lebanon into Israel just as some Hamas militants had done south Done down south from Gaza on Saturday, McGee's ignored orders for residents to retreat to shelters. Instead, he kept sitting outside. The reports turned out to be false. In 2006, the attacks were localized. You could escape to Tel Aviv or Jerusalem, he said. Now, Tel Aviv, rockets, Haifa, rockets, Jerusalem, rockets, everywhere rockets. So where would I go? I'll stay home. We don't want evil for, every, for anyone. We want it to be calm. 
that was Specter of Wider Mideast War Looms by Nabi Belos from the Los Angeles Times for Friday, October 13, 2023. All right, let's just read a quick ad or two from a publication called Fayahad Together from the Jewish National Fund of, of USA. This is from the Jewish National Fund USA, Fast and Simple, Plant Trees in Israel as a Memorial Gift. JNF.org slash trees. Phone is 800-542-TREE or 800-542-8733. And ladies and gentlemen, that will do it for this edition of Stan Dunn's Jewish Edition. Until next time, everybody, this is your reader and host, Mark Braun. Shalom and peace.